But my big message to everybody is this, is just that we are faster and we are smarter than we think. We've been sold this lie, you know, it's this whole fixed, you know, everything is like fixed and whatever your IQ is when you're a kid is going to be your IQ later and this is what you're, it's, it's just a lie and it's such BS, right? And then when we challenge that, when we take back our sovereignty, our ability, our responsibility, like, you know, we're talking about Stan Lee and your thermostat, then you can direct the course of your ship. Welcome to the New Wave Podcast, where we dive headfirst into Web3, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So, jump in. The water is warm, and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. Today is a throwback. This is a classic Rich 20-something podcast from back in the day. I think this must have been 2017 or 2018 most likely 2018, this is with my friend Jim Quick, who is a, just a superstar when it comes to the mental, the brain game. He is a master memory coach, and he is not only known for memory, but also for learning. And his focus is on helping people to learn better and utilize that amazing piece of quantum hardware between your ears. And uh, one of his things he'll say is that the memory, your memory will make you money. And I certainly think that's true. I don't know. I've been smoking a lot of weed. So sometimes my short-term memory isn't there, but my long-term memory is way good. That's why I can remember all these book names, but I can't remember what I did yesterday. But I think Jim has a lot of good practical strategies, which will really help you to uh, you utilize memory in your everyday. And I think that a lot of times we depend so much on the phone, for instance, our second brain, that we don't use our first brain. And we outsource so much of the responsibility of keeping tasks running on these external objects that we don't actually utilize what's the most powerful computer known to man. And really the cool thing is that we are still using quantum, we're still developing quantum computers in a hope to get up to as fast as our brain already is. But even our quantum computers, I don't believe, are going to be as fast and efficient as the human brain. So imagine what you have at your disposal. And, and Jim will talk about how to use uh, this power. Anyway, so I hope you enjoy this episode. It is a throwback. That's one of my favorites, but I want to share it with you like we always do on these Thursdays. And while you're at it, you can check back other throwbacks that we have at newwaveentrepreneur.com. That's where we have all the show uh, the show highlights and all the stuff that we have, uh, we've worked on so far, including uh, our upcoming invites to the New Wave Dinner Experience, which is happening July 16th here in Austin. Well, not here in Austin, but there in Austin and uh, you can you can apply to get an invitation we have about 10 to 12 spots per dinner we have these incredible intimate experiences I think we're gonna drop a uh, promo for that later in today's episode so you can check that out and of course earlier this week we just dropped power packs which is uh, which is just a really awesome audio series to help you get your mind and business moving in the right direction by asking you critical questions that will uh, lead you to making big positive changes. So you can check that out at newwaveentrepreneur.com as well. And we also made a separate site, powerpacks.life, which redirects towards that. So you can check that out as well. All the stuff is in the show notes. Now let's jump into this episode with Jim. This is the Rich 20-something podcast with Daniel DiPiazza. Guys, welcome to that. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the podcast. And today we are with my new friend and someone who I admire greatly, uh, Jim Quick. What's up, Jim? Dude, it's good to be here. Thank you for everyone who's taking the time to listen. I'm excited. I, I appreciate you being here. And you know, the interesting thing too about Jim is that he was one of those guys who I kept getting either referred to through something I read or saw or 
or talked up about by someone that I respected. So I started looking at his work and you guys might not know this, but Jim is basically a mental performance coach. I mean, is that, is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, I think that describes it. I mean, people have like personal trainers or they have a voice coach or a business coach. I'm kind of like the brain coach. Yeah. And this is something that I, one thing I think is really interesting is that as you start to learn more about personal development, you realize that the brain really is, there is a muscle. I mean, maybe physically, not it's not the same physical structure, but like the idea of working a muscle of being able to like perform more repetitions and become stronger. The brain has the the capability to become better. You you know, I I was watching one of your interviews. You said there's no such thing as a bad memory. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean that uh, most people think that, oh, I forgot this or I'm horrible with names or I can't have to give a presentation in front of this group of people or go for an interview and they think their memory is shot. And I don't think there's any such thing as a good or bad memory. There's just a trained memory and an untrained memory. And we could train our brain just like a muscle. And But the challenge is, is you know, your brain controls everything. It controls your, your career, your finances, your relationships, your health. But there's, it doesn't come with an owner's manual. And I'm all about showing people how to optimize their brain so they could uh, overcome information overload, so they can make better decisions, so they could have clarity, so they could remember more, so they could learn more, so they could earn more. Because that's the economy we're in, right? We live in this digital knowledge economy where knowledge is not only power, it's profit. And I don't just mean financial profit. That's obvious, right? Um, because memory, for example, will make you money. Yeah. And we could talk about how that happens. Um, but also all the treasures of your life, you know, it improves your health, improves your, your career, it improves your expertise, your relationships, your peace of mind. You know, I think there's this learning divide where it's uh, some people know and some people don't know because it's not like this was in previous generations, right? Where a lot of, you know, a couple of generations ago, it was the economy was driven by more muscle power, you know, people working in factories and farms, but now it's not muscle power, it's mind power. That's our greatest wealth. It's not brute strength. It's your brain strength. So I think it's the highest multiplier that we have to be able to be more, to do more, to have more, and to be able to share more. And and what do you, you know? Okay, so just let's let's unpack that a little bit because yeah. you, you said you said a few things here. The first thing is that we're moving into like the knowledge economy, which is you know that's great, and it's you can obviously tell that it's something that we need to be doing. But at the same time. Don't you think that technology sometimes dumbs us down by not allowing us to perform some of the basic everyday tasks that make us human, like navigating, like researching mm-hmm. information? Like, where's the where's the the crosshairs of that? You know, it's 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 tough. Like living in today's day and age, you know, as as everyone's wants to really, they want to win more, right? And they want to be unstoppable. And we want technology, right? Because technology connects us. It allows us to be able to access information that we never could before. Um, and then one of the challenges, as you said, like the, the mind is, the brain is kind of like a muscle. It's like use it or lose it with technology. It has a convenience, right? I don't want to memorize hundreds of phone numbers or, you know, to do list everything, but we're outsourcing our brain to our smart devices. And because it's doing all the work, some people's minds aren't getting the exercise. And so it doesn't, it no longer has the focus that it once had and the, the memory, the, you know, the learning, the thinking. Um, and so we outsource our memory, for example, to our smart devices. And so in a way, our smart devices are making us not so smart um, because it is use it or lose it. Like think about, you know, sometimes people growing up, they remember so many phone numbers, right? But now how many phone numbers do you really remember? 
maybe like one, maybe two. And yeah, I don't, I don't even know you, my girlfriend's phone number. I have no idea. Exactly. And then so what happens when you lose your phone or your you know, the battery dies or whatever? And it's not that you want to memorize all these numbers. It's just we lose the ability to do that. And, and where else are we losing that ability? And the reason why memory is so important for, uh, for everybody, uh, for entrepreneurs and um, educators, students, is because we could only make good decisions based on what we know. You know what I mean? Even if you could access information on Google and have the information at, 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 at your at your fingertips, if it's not on your mental fingertips, that's where we're making good decisions, right? Um, because, for example, if we lost, like, if we lost 50% of our memory, you know, we'd be, I mean, we'd be paralyzed. If you lost, if you forgot 50% of the people that you know, if you forgot 50% of their names, if you forgot 50% of the, your knowledge, right? Um, if you forgot... 50% of things you need to do. I mean, we'd be, we'd have such a handicap, right? And so, but what if you could actually double that? Then you'd have such an advantage. What if you could walk into a room, meet 10 strangers and leave saying goodbye to every single one of them by name? Because I think, you know, we could talk about this in this session. It's just one of the most important business etiquette and networking skills is your ability to recall people's names and faces. Because how are you going to show somebody you're going to care for their business, their future, their health, their finances, whatever it is you're selling them, if you don't care enough to remember something like their name? And so I do believe that technology, it's, it's the other challenge with technology, with us outsourcing our brains, that's one thing. But also technology is driving so much content, right? The amount of information is doubling at dizzying speeds. It feels like, you know, being produced, you know, online now. They say that, it was, what was it? It was the, I think it was the, the chairman of Google saying that the amount of information that's been created from the dawn of humanity to the year 2003, just a little over a decade ago, right? So that amount of information now is created every two days online. I heard that. I heard that. That's That to me, it, it's gotten to the point where it's not even something that my brain can comfortably handle, but I'm, I'm aware of the magnitude of that. It's going up on this this curve, and then, but how we learn it, how we remember it, how we read it, how we absorb it is the same as it's always been. So that gap creates this thing called stress. That gap creates this thing called fatigue. They call it information fatigue syndrome, right? Because like everything is a syndrome, higher blood pressure, compression of leisure time, more sleeplessness, you know, like people aren't getting the, the rest because their brain is trying to multitask and keep accounts for everything. So we're, we're drowning information. It feels like we're taking a sip of water out of a fire hose, but we're really starving for, for the wisdom. That, that's why I, I love like your, your podcast. When people get to listen, they get to distill this information into usable instruction and inspiration and insight. Yeah. You know, man, it, and it's, it's so, it's so interesting. I was talking to a few people about this recently in terms of the amount of information that's coming at us nowadays like you said just like drinking from a fire hose and you know i feel like because of my work because i you know the different types of writing i'll do or podcasts i'm always scrolling on a news feed i'm always absorbing something i'm always consuming something uh whether i want to or not and not only that but i also feel like now more than ever there are so many ways to get in contact with one another which in the beginning was a blessing and now i feel like is becoming a curse because i look at my phone and i mean and i i think some people might mistake this for bragging i'm not bragging i have over 150 unread text messages which i which i'd like to really get to i have a missed call i have uh you know whatsapp I have Facebook, mm-hmm. I have I have Twitter, I have, you know, all these th- Instagram, I have all these inboxes for all these various places and I just don't feel like I'm in my my email inbox. I haven't even talked about that. So I don't I just don't feel like I'll ever be able to get it done and I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that from here on out. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. The other thing about it, besides the um, we're outsourcing our brains to smart devices and we're not getting the mental workouts, besides the information overload with with social media and with our smart devices, it's we're really it's rewiring our brain for for distraction. It's really hard to focus. And one of the things I just did a podcast about this about creating new habits, and we uh, we talked to B.J. Fogg, Dr. B.J. Fogg who is a Stanford researcher, and one of his students actually co-founded Instagram. But when we're then, you know, talk about habits and making things addictive and getting those dopamine fixes every time you see a like and a share and a, and a comment, and it's tough when the first thing, you know, I always tell people it's good that everybody has a to-do list because you want to get things done, you want to achieve, you want to be unstoppable. And I think equally, some of the most successful people that I had the pleasure of meeting when I'm talking to them, they all have like a not-to-do list. And their not-to-do list is longer than their to-do list. And, you know, some of the most successful people out there, the ones that are making it happen and moving the needle, they are very clear about the things that they won't do. And for example, one of the things that I've noticed is that this, some of those successful individuals, they won't touch their phone the first you know hour of the day. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense, right? And it's, it's hard not to do it. It's one of the first things we you know that we touch. It's first one of the, things, the last things we touch at night, but it's, it's addictive. And the reason why I don't recommend using your phone the first hour, if you can help it, unless it's like, you know, something that you need to do is because it wires us to be reactive, right? You know, and we're going through social media and we're going through it. And I, I, and I think social media, again, everything has a pro and a con. I love that social media, could, you, you could share, you could collaborate, you could connect, you could stay updated to everything that's going on. You can learn and be inspired. It's all amazing. Um, but first thing in the morning, you know, we, we're getting fried you're using that. We're getting, um, you know, a lot of people suffer from decision-making fatigue, um, for example. And then the way the social media is set up is you could scroll forever until you die, Right. Yeah. And you're getting you're getting stimulated yeah. through this stuff and when watching cats do this and doing whatever your people are watching nowadays. Um, and the other thing is the reason why you don't want to get fried that way is also checking texts and checking emails and WhatsApp and all these messages. It trains us when we're at the most vulnerable stage, when we just woke up, right? When we're in that hypnosis still, that alpha theta state of creativity and relaxed awareness where we're most suggestible. In our subconscious, we're training our brains to be reactive, to, res- to starting to respond to all these texts and emails and, and everything in these messages. And everybody has this agenda for us and firefighting this. They need something for us. And we're training our, our life to be reactive the first hour of the day as opposed to being proactive, setting a vision, talking about thinking about the things, three things that you need to be able to thrive throughout the day and really leading it. And then for me, it's the difference between being a thermometer and a thermostat. I talk about this when I'm speaking on stage, you know, think about, you know, the different quality of life between a a thermometer and a thermostat metaphorically for people, a a thermometer, what's its function, right? It just reacts to the environment. It reflects what the environment is giving it. That's what a thermometer does. But a thermostat is something different. I mean, thermostat is your listeners, right? You know, they wouldn't be listening to this right now if they weren't proactive, if they weren't, you know, steering the ship, if the locus of control wasn't themselves. Because a thermostat sets a vision, it sets a standard, it sets a goal, right? And then what happens to the environment? The environment raises to meet that. And that that's what you want to be. And so I know it's difficult to break a habit. Um, you know, because I talk about that in our show, but it's one of those things where it's just our habits. First, we create our habits, and then our habits create us. Well, that's something that I wanted to to talk to you about because your whole show is based on little bite-sized tidbits that you can use to improve your concentration, cognition, focus, retention. And I think that I think that what that kind of all you know um, coalesces around is the idea of kind of learning how how to learn. I remember having this realization. Oh man, maybe 
six or seven years ago when I was learning how to do, um, I was trying to teach myself how to do Rubik's cubes, you know, with algorithms. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and I learned how to do it because I was, you know, looking at different YouTube videos and trying to figure out, you know, using different tutorials. And I realized that the learning I was doing was more like a, it was more like a meta thing. It was like I was learning the process of learning the algorithm and then the mm -hmm. algorithm itself led to the solution. And that kind of sparked an interest in me in trying to dig a little bit deeper down down the learning rabbit hole. And then I eventually, a few years after that, I started a um, like an SAT tutoring business, SAT, ACT. And I found that a lot of my students didn't, they only had the rote recall. They didn't have any foundational knowledge of, of their own learning processes. And not only that, but you know, this is another thing you point out a lot. They were using antiquated methods, right? So the only thing Benjamin Franklin would recognize would be the, you know, the, the school system, right? Horse and buggy mentality. And I noticed this in real life, in real time with my, with my students who would only know that a triangle was a certain amount of degrees, but wouldn't know why or how to apply that. And my fear is that because of the school system and the way it's set up and the way it's been like this for, you know, decades, if not hundreds of years now, it's going to be very hard to turn the tide of of this like this revolution that we need to be having, which is understanding more how to teach ourselves better. Because I think the U.S. is falling behind, and that that kind of concerns me. It does to me also. I mean, this is definitely a, a very one of my missions. Is a lot of people don't know that when they see, when they see me on stage or on video, and I memorize like a room full of people's names or a hundred words or hundred numbers forwards and backwards. And I always tell people I don't do this to impress you. I do this to express to you what's really possible. Because the truth is, every single person that's with us today could also do that and a lot more. It's just we weren't taught. If anything, we were taught a lie, a lie that's saying we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, that somehow our potential, our learning, our, our our memory is somehow limited and fixed like our shoe size. And we've discovered more about the human brain in the past 20 years than the previous 2000 years. And what we know is that's false, is that is that we are grossly underestimating our mind's potential. And I think one of the reasons if we're struggling is that we're not taught, right? We weren't prepared for this digital world that we live in right now, where we, we live in a, this age, just like you talked about, horse and buggy. Like we, li we live in an age of electric cars that drive themselves and spaceships that Elon's sending to Mars. And But how we learn is like the horse and carriage. And it hasn't been updated. Like school taught you what to learn, like math, history, science, Spanish. But there are not a lot of classes on how to learn, like the subject you were talking about, about meta-learning, right? Learning how to learn or thinking about your thinking. There's no classes on, on focus, no classes on creativity, no classes on how to solve problems, how to be an entrepreneur, how to be, you know, financially intelligent, you know, how to live, you know, remarkable lives of adventure and curiosity and, and you know, how to read faster and remember more and, and all of that. And I just really think if you, people want to dominate, and uh, you know, in their 20s, 30s and beyond, I think the most important skill to master in this 21st century is the ability to learn faster. And that's, you know, that's so important, because if you could have that meta learning that you're talking about learning how to learn, if people had that self awareness about how they learn their best, um, then they could succeed at anything. And they have such an advantage because they could apply that towards any any, any endeavor. Because the other thing that is certain is change right? The world is changing so fast and people have to have to pivot and reboot. And, and, you know, the, now somebody exiting school now, they I, I read somewhere they're going to have anywhere from 10 to 14 different careers because careers, not, not jobs, careers, like totally different verticals because the world is changing so fast. 
you know, the half-life of information is getting shorter and shorter, meaning that, you know, the information that you know now, if you're studying in school or learning anything out of any books or technical stuff, you know, could be antiquated just a few years later because it's outdated. That's scary, and so, yeah, but, but it, cool. It, yeah, it, it is. There's a, so for people who have these skills and capabilities, then, you know, they have a, a, a huge edge, right? Because while other people are trying to catch up and, 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 and keep up, you know, they could, they could stay, they could stay ahead. And I think learning how to learn, learning how your brain works, because it doesn't come with an owner's manual and it's not user friendly is, is what I'm really passionate about. And the reason why I am is because I grew up with learning challenges, right? And I had this head injury when I was five years old, brain damage. I, I couldn't understand things. I would, I would have like early stage imposter syndrome where teachers would explain it to me and I would, I would, and I would say, yes, I understand it, but I really didn't understand it because I, I want to be the only one that didn't understand something. You know, it took me three, four years longer to learn how to read. And the reason why I love, you know, we talked, we were talking about this before, you know, superheroes and comic books is because that's how I learned how to read. I taught myself how to read by reading superhero stories and something about the illustrations and good versus evil and really the idea of hope, you know, because I didn't have a lot of hope growing up with these challenges all through middle school, you know, high school and everything. Uh, but that one person can make a difference. And that's really, that's what I think. I think everybody has the potential to be what I call the superhero you, Y-O-U, the, the better version of ourselves. And if we want more, if we want our business to grow, we have to grow. And I think the grandfather or the grandmother of all personal growth is, is learning. Definitely the grandmother. Um, grandmother. Grandmothers teach you a lot. You, you know, the crazy thing about about where where we are right now is that I, I think that within the past 10 years, and it's not that personal development has taken off, but I think that there's been a general awareness of, I guess, optimization, like trying to like hack your body, hack your brain, hack your mind. And so what I think is I think that you will um, succeed in your mission because I think that, you know, now people who are in their 30s and 40s are the ones that are leading the charge when it comes to improving your health, your mind, your body, um, you know, the Tim Ferriss and the Jim Quicks and the Daniel DiPiazza's of the world. But then, you know, as, as this trend becomes more solid, it's going to leave places besides just Santa Monica, California, and it's going to hit mm -hmm. Indiana and it's going to be, you know, because now I'm doing things like I'm, I'm, I'm so into, I'm so into what you're saying. And a lot of, a lot of my friends probably think that, oh man, what is mental training? Come on, just get to work. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I'm so into really tweaking my body and doing things like that. And I think that those things will become more common as the public awareness grows. So right now what you're saying is cutting edge, but really it's ancient, right? I mean, really some, some of the techniques that, that you have are really just, I mean, like with the, um, with like the placement technique, you know, where mm -hmm. you're placing things on your body, that, and we can maybe explain that to the audience in a minute, but that's an ancient technology that's just being reapplied and someone will see that and say, oh, that's new age, no, that's old age, you know? It really is. <laughs> there, um, there's not a lot of new new information, new ideas. What, what talk to us about that, that technique a little bit and how, and how it relates to, um, to like improving your memory, especially if you want to give a quick speech. A lot of people are nervous about this. Absolutely. So... If, um, as we're listening to this, my, my, what I tell people is that, um, when we're talking about being rich and if we're in the context of, of earning more income, right. And having greater levels of impact and making more money, I think your, your memory is a forced multiplier, meaning that's a, it's this term in the military that it, you take a certain amount of input and you get more output from it, multiple effect by improving your memory and your memory can be trained. And, but what did people do 
in terms of their memory before they had smart devices and printing presses, you know, teleprompters and all that, they would tell stories around campfires, right? And they, they would tell generations. I mean, if you look at different um, religions and cultures, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago, you know, they had very sophisticated ways of, you know, keeping information out because they had no external memory hard drive to put this information in, right? And so they would have to remember everything. And so one of the techniques that um, we're bringing back is this idea of, um, it's, it's a method of, of location. And it was popularized by this uh, 2,500 years ago. It's attributed to this Greek order poet named Simonides. And the story goes, he was giving a reading uh, poetry reading. And when he was done, he left the building. And after he left, something really tragic happened. The building collapsed and it killed everyone that was there because obviously the building wasn't made of sheetrock and wood. It was made of like stone, right? And because he was a lone survivor, he had the responsibility of coming back and helping the family members find their loved ones and identify their loved ones. And he was able to do it based on where they were sitting, where he remembered they were sitting in that room. And we all have that superpower, right? Like you go out to dinner a couple of days ago, you kind of remember who was sitting to your left and who was sitting to your right. Because we learn through the human brain, um, as it learned and it evolved, that we store information in space. We store information in locations, meaning that maybe hundreds or thousands of years ago, we didn't need to know definitions and numbers and all that stuff. What we really needed to know was where things were for our survival. You know, where the food was, where the clean water was, where the fertile soil was, where the enemy tribe was, and knowing where things are in our environment was very important. Now, take that to where we are right now. It's like you could still have that same filing system in the, the 21st century by using your environment and storing the information that you want to remember in certain places that are familiar to you. So, for example, what a lot of people will do, will take they'll take their home or they'll take their office and they'll go through and pick like five things in each room saying, okay, first place is going to be the microwave. The second place is going to be the stovetop. The third place is going to be the refrigerator. The fourth place is going to be the dishwasher. The fifth place is going to be the sink, for example. And then what you do is when you want to learn new information and be able to, for example, give a speech without notes, I think that's such a powerful skill, a communication skill to be able to have as, you know, as people are entering the work workforce, they're starting their own businesses, the ability to give a speech, um, public speaking is one of the most, you know, charismatic, influential things that you could do you know, when you're at the podium, but a lot of people, it's one of their biggest fears, right, Daniel? It's one of the things that people fear the most, public speaking. Totally. And, and I think one of the things, I mean, they, they literally say it's the number one fear in America. Number two is fire. And number three is death. I, that, that, you know, <laughs> and, and just to, just to like chime in on, with you there, I, I just always liked public speaking. So I, just, I never, I never understood it. I was, I always wanted to, to talk in class, but I, I don't consider myself a massive extrovert, but I never good, got why people were like deathly, deathly afraid yeah. of that. I don't I, I have a couple of hypotheses. So for me, I was, I, I, I was and still have some residual about being like really nervous on stage. And maybe because for me, I grew up with learning challenges, right? And so I was labeled when I was nine years old, a teacher said this out loud to another adult and pointing to me, not thinking I would understand or, or just even paying attention, pointing to me saying, that's the boy with the broken brain. Oh, 
my God. Who, 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 do, what type I, of human being says that? Come I, on. It's one, I know. And so that's, that's the thing. It's one of, it's, people don't realize, it's kids, like, man. How, especially how, imp- like, and that's where our beliefs are. What is wrong with these people? I know, but isn't that funny? But does everybody that has like a story kind of like that, where at some point, and most of it is yeah. unconscious, where we, we have a belief about how much we're worth or how smart we are. And I'm not laughing at you, by the way. I'm just thinking about this woman and thinking, why would she ever say that to a right. kid? You know? It's, so it's so insane. It's insane. And, so, and so one of the things is like, you know, I think, you know, I had that identity and when you feel like you're broken, you know, you don't really want to share with other people. I became very introverted and very shy and I would do a book report, but if a teacher asked me to give the, you know, presentation in high school, I would lie and say I didn't do it. I was so scared wow. of being and so and I think one of the reasons why there's a fear of public speaking actually, one of the themes that we talk about in our in my podcast is like speed reading, right? People want to read faster because the more you can learn and earn and you know leaders are readers and all that. But I think learning how to read as a kid actually instilled a lot of fear of public speaking. Because do you remember where you passed around, you got in a circle and in the class and you passed around a book and you have to read like a paragraph yourself, you know, to everyone. And oh yeah. Benjamin Franklin style. Exactly. And that was for a lot of people, especially when you're that age and you're just learning how to do it, you're not great you know, the first few times you're doing it and all the eyes are on you and kids can be you know, <laughs> equally as cruel. Sometimes. I remember I had a, my, I didn't, I didn't know what a paragraph was for like a year and a half after everyone else. So mm-hmm. they'd be like, read the next paragraph. I'd be like, I just start reading wherever I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> And, that's so, and so for me, when that book came around, for me, you know, I didn't know how to read for three extra years. And I just, I mean, so think about all of memory when it comes down to it. You know, rote memory doesn't work, right? Your repetition, just repeating things mindlessly with no relevance or no feeling behind it and no understanding. That, 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 that doesn't even make any sense. But the key to long-term memory, one of the keys is information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory in the brain. And we know this because, I mean, who doesn't have a, I'm sure as, as you're listening to this, you could remember a song. If you hear a song, it could take you back to when you were a kid, right? Because information totally. combined with emotion will bring back all those memories. Uh, maybe for some people, it's not music. Maybe it's uh, a, a scent, right? You smell a certain perfume or cologne or essential oil or whatever. Maybe it's other people, it's a food. I mean, do you have a food that could take you back to when you were a child, right? Because information and emotion becomes a long-term memory. And that's the thing, like, you know, looking back at school, a lot of people with rote learning, when they had to learn the periodic table or, you know, the stuff, there's no emotion. And the, the primary emotion back in school really was, I mean, how did we feel for the most part in school for most people? They were just like, like bored, right? Just was, suffering through it out of obligation. Exactly. And so if you're, if you're bored and suffering and your emotion is zero, zero times any information is zero. And that's why if we were tested back, what we learned back in high school, we learned, we, we actually retained very little of it. Can you, so, can you imagine what kids would be like if they actually learned things they wanted to learn in school rather than things they had to learn? Like the kid who was interested about pirates would just really learn about pirates. And think about the emotion that's there, though, too, right? There's a curiosity, anticipation. But sometimes when we grow older, I don't just mean chronological age, like, because I, you know, I, uh, I get to, uh, I I got to introduce two of my superheroes together. I I mentioned this to you before, but it was Sir Richard Branson and uh, Stan Lee. Yeah. talking about it's not not stanley but stanley the co-creator of what spider-man and iron man and avengers yeah. and before, you know x-men and we're going to dinner and i was asking stan in the car i was like you know and he we just celebrated his 94th birthday right and i mean he's, he's amazing and i asked him who's your favorite superhero you've created all these amazing you know icons and he was like iron man i'm like that's awesome 
And he's like, Jim, who is, who's your favorite superhero? And I said, Spider-Man, because he had a big Spider-Man tie on. And I said, with great power comes great you know, like I said, Spider-Man, he said, with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm hearing, just hearing Stan say that coming out of his mouth, was just like, um, it literally gives me truth bumps just even thinking about it right now. But, um, and I was thinking about that because it had more weight to it than it usually, you know, a lot of motion to it. I was like, yeah. you know, that's true, Stan, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, when you're president of the United States, you have a lot of responsibility to use that power, right? And I was like, the opposite is also true, isn't it? With great responsibility comes great power. When we, t- when we take responsibility for stuff, you know, for our lives, then we have great power to make wow. things better. And that's, that's going back to the metaphor of, you know, thermometer and a thermostat. When a thermostat, you know, the locus of control, we're talking about location again, it's coming from the inside. And that's what leaders do, right? And that, that's what we all aspire to do. A leader is someone who takes the invisible something on the inside and they make it visible on the outside. And, and I really feel like going back to Stan, when we're talking about chronological age, he's 94, but he is like the youngest old person I know. Because <laughs> check this out, Daniel, he still goes to work Monday through Friday at 94, when most people have been retired for three decades. I mean, because those World he, War II generation guys, though, they don't quit. I got a grandfather yeah, they, who's 92. Oh, I mean, it's amazing because they have grit, right? And just like what, what all entrepreneurs and, and achievers need, a level of perseverance, right, and dedication and discipline. But he loves it. It brings him alive to tell stories. And his other passion that really lights him up, and I was talking to him, was uh, is his wife, who's one year older. How amazing, right? And so he's like the youngest. And I feel like if we could maintain, because I also have a, you know, a, a family member who's like, 13 years old, but he's like 70 years old, you know what I mean? Like, so it's not chronological <laughs> age, it's, it's a mindset, you know? And yeah. so I think that one of the keys for improving our memory, and we'll go back to the location method, just having, being a genius, whatever genius is for you, not, not IQ, but just, you know, how you could be great in your, in your vertical is to maintain that level of childhood curiosity, you know, that childhood innocence, because who are the fastest learners, right? Children, how fast can a child pick up a musical instrument? How fast can a child pick up another language? How fast can they just absorb information? And one of the reasons why is they, they, they know they, they don't know, but sometimes as adults, we're like, Oh, I heard that before on that podcast once. And I just, you know, I got that. And the person that you hurt in that process is you, because I think one of the keys to learning faster is just having an open mind and temporarily forgetting what we think we know so we can learn something new, right? So many people get stuck in their ways, but there's this Rumi quote, Rumi quote that says, sell, says, sell your cleverness for bewilderment. Sell your cleverness uh, for bewilderment. I mean, bewilderment, like who uses those words anymore? But when, when, but that's something we could control. Like we could actually control our states and our attitude and our attitude and our definitely, you know, it's cliche, but it's true. Our attitude, you know, determines our, our altitude in life. And, and so Stan is a, is a great example of that. I remind, just to remind us that we could always be curious. We could always be, you know, engaged and active and, and co-creating life, right, to the way we want to do. And, and think about Stan. He's created universes. I mean, you think about Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and all these films coming out. It all came out of, like, you know. His that, brain. Yeah. Isn't it's it? crazy, that, man. Exactly. But how do we be creative? How do we have clarity? How do we make the really good decisions? How do we disconnect from all these things so we could reconnect more with our purpose and, you know, and our, and our passions? And you want to talk so, about telepathic uh, powers. Think about creating a world in your head and you create this world that also sparks someone else's imagination. And then you guys have live in this shared universe that's slightly different because it's, they're both in your brains, but you guys I understand the same rules. 
you Dude, know? I love that so much because it's different than, like if I give you a dollar, you give me a dollar, we both you know, pretty much have the same value, right? But if I share an inspiring idea with you and you share an idea and with me, you know, instructive idea with me, like we have two brand new ideas. Right. Yep. And I, and I, I think that's so amazing because that that's if you, everything you look around, you know, that's it once started in somebody's brain. It's like this whole, you know, I think belief is really important also for people to succeed. Right. You know, you're out there and how do you maintain a level of belief when uh, people are telling, you no? how you maintain your confidence and your certainty when the world tells you differently, when they say that you're, you're you know, that you're wrong. And, and, and I think that like in 1954, Roger Bannister did something that no one in human history was able to do. He uh, he broke the four-minute mile, right? So for hundreds of years, nobody could run a mile in less than four minutes. And how he was able to do it is he would visualize himself. And this is mental training, right? Athletes, the best athletes don't just do physical training, right? They do they do imagination. They do um, mental training, right? And so he would visualize himself crossing the finish line and looking at the clock and the clock says 3.59, right? Because he knows what all leaders and achievers know that success is an inside out process, that it's not, oh, I'll believe it when I see it. It's actually, I'll see it when I believe it. And most people, that's how the power of belief, right? Master was in medical school too. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And so it's amazing how people could apply something in one area to to another. And I think also that's one of the keys to success. There's a great book called The Structure of Scientific Revolution that basically says that, you know, all big innovation for the most part comes from people outside the industry because it takes somebody from the outside to look in saying, why are you doing it this way? You know, like an Elon Musk to look at automotive and saying, this is so antiquated. Why don't you just do it this way instead? Oh, that must you be know? what the government's doing by putting a special counsel in to investigate the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the administration. We need an outside <laughs> perspective to say, why are you doing this? Exactly. And here's and this, and this is exactly <laughs> the point because when, you, when you're growing up and you're like all the doctors or whatever, they're taught all the same things, right? Then they don't have any fresh perspective. And I think one of the keys to another key to success, you know, besides, you know, memory, besides belief and lifestyle is in the, the biohacks that we talk about is perspective, perspective. Like if people want to, I think entrepreneurs essentially are professional problem solvers, right? They're, they're offering solutions and value that wasn't there before. But one of the ways to look at a problem is, or be able to solve a problem is looking at it from the same perspective. So for example, if, if you feel stuck right now with something, you need to make a decision, you need to solve a problem, but you just can't get out of your own way. What usually helps is a change of perspective, a change of people, you know, so you can share, share new ideas because who you spend time with is, is who you become. And we all know that, that you don't want to be the smartest one in the room because then you're in the wrong room as it, as it, as it goes. But the other thing is you could also to change perspective. You change your environment. You change your place. Like uh, we, we do an annual you know, mind event. And in the last one, we had uh, Quincy Jones in the audience, right? And Love Quincy's it. another one. You know, he just turned 84 years old. And think about that. I just I brought him on stage and I was just like, can I interview you? And just can we talk about a little bit about, you know, your legacy and all your achievements? And, you know, music and film and Oprah and Will Smith and We Are the World and, you know, you know Color Purple, all this, all this right? And uh, we started talking about it. And I was like, I was like you, you, this is incredible. And he's, he's like, what are you in? And he, people don't know this, but he speaks 23 languages. What? Come on, yeah. man. Really? I mean, like, he, he really? Not, like, not, 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 not everything, but he could, he could, he could communicate wow. in, in a lot of different languages. And one wow. of the things he loves is he, you know, he loves to travel and he loves culture. He loves languages. He loves music. He loves different foods. And he deeply immerses himself, which is a learning principle, right? And like deep immersion. And um, 
and there's definitely a correlation. We're doing a podcast on music and languages and accelerating learning like languages. Stuff. And this is the thing. I was asking him this question. I was like, um, he said, I was like, what's important about travel? And he said this phrase, he's like, Jim, you have to go to know. You have to go to know. And sometimes, it, let's say you have a problem that you're trying to solve. Sometimes it helps just even just go for a walk, right? To get a new perspective on something or talk to a new person and get their perspective. And um, the other thing I was asking, I was like, you know, you achieved all this amazing, all these amazing things, right? And I was like, how do you overcome all the problems that, you know, because whenever you start a new venture, a new project, there's inherently all these problems. And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, the challenges, how do you overcome the problems to create this? Like, how do you get, we are the world and all these, you know, icons there. And how do you do that, all of that. And he's like, Jim, I don't have any problems. I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, everybody has problems, right? And only people who don't have problems are people who are like in the cemetery. And he was like, no, they're not problems. They're puzzles. They're not problems. They're puzzles. And it's so interesting, Daniel. Like, like is, doesn't that change things? Just changing one word changes your perspective. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Because when I think about a puzzle and you think about a Rubik's Cube, right? There's, there's like a solution to it, right? There's like a it, it could be frustrating, but it's not unending. Exactly. And that's the thing, because when people think, oh, I have all these problems, it's like, oh, no, I have a puzzle. And that has a different, you know, puzzle is like play, right? It's sort of, you know, something that I could solve and it has a different attitude. And and so that kind of perspective is something that I'm always looking to adopt. And so my thing when it comes to learning is, yes, I love reading. And I, I you know, I teach people how to read at least one book a, a week, because I think that the average person reads only a few books, right? And talking about books. Few Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations on your book. Thank you, sir. Which is absolutely, because I have so much respect for authors who have, who take their experience, their insight, their lessons and put it into a book because I love to read because I couldn't read growing yeah, up, right? Yeah. So I have such a deep appreciation for it. But let's say you have all this wisdom, right? And you've interviewed all these individuals, your life experience and all these things and you put it into a book. And if somebody could sit down in a day or two or three and sit down and read that, they can compress, you know, decades of experience yours and everyone you've learned from in days you can download decades in the totally, days totally I mean, that that's a, that literally is a, a no-brainer for people because why reinvent the wheel why try to do it without any kind of mentorship and anything so i think it's important to read i think it's it's i think it's important to not only learn from a, an author but just to have a conversation like what we're doing right now sometimes i'll get more out of listening to a, a podcast like yours than i will sometimes you know, going out and, and going to a library or whatever, because the something that you'll say will just come out and just have deeper meaning. And so role models is so important also. But my big message to everybody is this, is just that we are faster and we are smarter than we think. We've been sold this lie. You know, it's this whole fixed, you know, everything is like fixed and whatever your IQ is when you're a kid is going to be your IQ later. And this is what you're, it's, it's just a lie. And it's such BS, right? And then when we challenge that, when we take back our sovereignty, our ability, our responsibility, like, you know, we're talking about Stan Lee and your thermostat, then you can direct the course of your ship. And and that that's really what the world needs more of, right? We, we don't need more, you know, like automaton robots. I mean, all that stuff, you have, people have no future in those areas because eventually everything is going to be outsourced to Asia. It's going to be AI'd, right? It's going to, it's going to be, um, it's a, the, the real value I think we have is being a creator. One right? thing because I've been saying to people a lot recently is that there's a lot of, uh, and, and part of this is like just part of the American political dialogue, but jobs leaving, jobs leaving, jobs going to a different place. And I say, you know, maybe you got to get some new skills. You know, if there, there, it's just, there's no way around it because the skills are being either outsourced uh, or they're being upgraded or they're being evaporated, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but that, that also is similar to what you were just saying. 
with with changing your perspective if you are if you see everything as as it was in 1985 it gets very frustrating <laughs> to deal with the world as it is right what this is something i've been curious to know too and i'm talking to more people that i i trust about this and i think it's time that i talk to the the podcast community about this i've oh i've talked about it before uh but what what's your perspective on what is your what's your opinion on opening up new perspectives through psychedelics okay so this is an interesting topic, um, and it's not, it's not one that I'm really well studied on personally. Um, I think perspective, okay, so obviously any substance that we take in, we could create altered states, right? And I had, um, I've had both, um, you're familiar with these gentlemen, uh, Stephen Kotler um, and Jamie Wheel uh, keynote yes. our events, and they, um, they run the Flow Genome Project, and, um, and actually Stephen Kotler actually spoke at my event in 2011. Um, so this was very early on when they're studying the state of uh, flow states. And um, I think that our life is big part of our life is accumulation of these experiences, these different states, altered states, as people would call them. And these are the states that we go in, like when we meditate, right? When we're making love, when we're running a marathon, I mean, we're, we're, in, the, we're, we're, in, the, we're in the zone playing sports or giving a great speech, you know, in front of a group of people, these altered states. And so I'm, I'm very interested in things that for me, this is my personal my personal view on, on it for my personal transformation. I'm, per, I'm, I'm interested in technology, whatever technology is, something outside of us, taking us in places that we haven't been before. Um, because I feel like that, and I, I inherently, I do believe that our mind is capable of doing this itself um, without external. But sometimes having, a, like I, I use this device, um, a heart rate variability um, technology piece that where I could train myself to go into different states. I feel like that I could do it without the technology. It's interesting to have the technology come in and give me a reference point for what something could feel like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and, and it's the same. And this is not I'm not I'm not certainly I'm not recommending or not recommending this because this is all per people's personal preference but the same thing with any 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 substance like some for some people when they have if they without coffee they don't go into a certain state of, of mind right but I, I'm, I am interested personally in expanding my perception and perspective hey this is Daniel thank you so much for listening to the new wave podcast we're going to get you right back to the show but I wanted to tell you about this new mixtape that I just dropped that's right I dropped a mixtape and it's called power packs so I know you are listening to this podcast and many others because you want to improve your life, you want to build your business, and you want to live well, and me too. And you know what I've discovered over the years? It's that even though I've learned from many mentors and teachers, the best mentor in my life has been, drumroll, myself. That's right. And, and I know it's the same for you. It just has to be because the truth is you can mentor yourself and you already have the answers to your own problems. What you need are the right questions to ask to spark your problem solving machine. You have a creative genius for solving problems, but you have to ask yourself the right questions and power packs will help you to do that. This is a five volume audio series designed to dramatically improve the quality of your life and business in just a single listen, but not because it contains any answers because it asks 
you the actual questions you need to know to get your brain pumping. And in these five volumes, we cover, the first volume is all about success and, and business and money. The second one is generating mental and physical health. The third one is all about strengthening your most valuable relationships. The fourth one is about unlocking your hidden creative genius. And the fifth one is all about thinking and being strategic. And these volumes are all available for free. Now, we've just released the first one. So if you want to learn about success with business and money, and you want to actually ask yourself the right questions to get you closer to successful outcomes there, then just go and download it. You can go to Spotify and get it, or you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com, where you've already probably spending a good amount of time, and you can download it for free uh, right there. And you'll also get an outline of all the questions that I ask in that pack and my notes to help you move even faster through your business and your life goals. Now, we're also gonna do a limited edition merch run and some other bonuses to celebrate the launch of the series, so make sure you check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com. And of course, you can stream it for free and download everything for free. Much love. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the show. Download Power Packs now. Let's get back to the episode. I, I spent some time in the um, in the Amazon rainforest, and um, and we went with a guide down uh, this this river, the Amazon River, right, which was amazing because got to swim with like pink dolphins and some really cr- crazy experiences. But when we're hiking through, we actually came across an indigenous tribe, a village. You know, it was like seven or eight families, and um, and we were their very first Western contact. Their very first Western contact. Wow. They've never seen an iPhone or an iPad or met Western All people to show up. It was you. It was you, <laughs> the one who's come to save the planet. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, so it was like, like, I don't know, it was an avatar kind of moment, but it was like, it was very, it was, it was, kind, it was a really interesting experience because by the second night, we were having dinner with them. By the third day, we were playing with our kids. And um, it's interesting because this was a change in perspective because remember, you have to go to know and change of environment. And it's interesting because of my perspective, it, it, because I want to serve and add value. I was, remember I asked um, the elder, I was like, how, um, how, can, how can we help you? Right. And this is what it came back translated, loosely translated. It's like, if you're here to save or to help us, don't waste your time. But if you're here because you know that your lives are in- intimately entwined with ours, then let's do it together. Wow. Like, come on. Like, like the wisdom of, of that, right? And the audacity that in my head, like this was years ago, like thinking, oh, I'm going to come in and, and, and help, these, help these people. It was so, you know, like, I remember because we had, there were no facilities there, right? And all wow. I had was all these food bars, right? Because I had nothing to eat. And I was like, I didn't know what to do with the, um, like the wrapper for the, I was like, do you have somewhere I can put this trash? They, Daniel, they had no word for the word trash <laughs> because it just didn't exist, you know, in their world. And so it's, it's interesting. And, um, but while we were there, um, I was, we, we there were these shamans, right. And this, um, this indigenous tribe, there are about 30,000 of them. And, you know, I'm in the stewardship circle to be able to protect that in their environment from oil companies and, you know, all the destruction that they're doing. And, um, the shaman, it's a very dream-driven culture. And uh, dreams are interesting. I, I just did a whole show on how to remember your dreams. And the reason why dreams are, are, are really important in, modern, in, our, uh, in our society and also in, in their world, dreams are more real than the waking state. Meaning they would get up every morning. We would get up every morning at 4 a.m. and share our dreams around a campfire. And then the shaman, the elders, would actually translate it. And that is how they determine what their day is going to be like. Wow, that's a totally different way of looking at it. Completely. And here's the reason why, and and this is fresh in my mind, because we just literally released this out uh, on how to remember your dreams. This is, the dreams are important because 
scientifically, what's going on is you learn all day, right? You're experiencing the world all day. At night, when you're sleeping is when you're actually processing a lot of this information and you're integrating it and your brain is still working on these uh, problems or puzzles, if you will. And you know this because sometimes you've had, you've woken up in the middle of the night and you just like, you got it or you remember it. You know what I mean? These insights because your subconscious is still continuing to work on this even when you're sleeping, especially when you're sleeping and dreaming. In fact, some of the most incredible inventions and uh, scientific breakthroughs and works of art and literature came from people's dreams. And this is not a tangent. This is something actually, this is something for people who want to make better decisions. We were talking about, you know, your audience and community having clarity and solving problems and making good decisions. And, and part of it is you could access more of your dream states, meaning that, for example, yesterday, the song Yesterday from Paul McCartney came to him in his dream. Isn't that amazing? Like Frankenstein came into from the author's dream. That whole idea of Frankenstein came to Mary Shelley in a dream. Isn't, isn't that incredible? It's crazy, like the, man. The invention of the sewing machine, right? The sewing machine actually was invented in Elias's house in his dream, right? He had he, this vision of being chased by um, this tribe and they were throwing these spears at him. And at the end of the spear was this hole where they put the, you know, where he would thread the needle. And all of that came in as, as interpreted from his dream. And like even the the periodic table was all you know that was actually that framework was actually came to, in this chemist in the dream right I mean the, even the scientific process is all part of another another dream so what I'm saying is this is you know we spend a good quarter of our day sleeping right you know or, or, or a third of our day sleeping potentially and that dream state is very important the challenge is when people wake up they forget their dreams. Right. And that, that's, that's another thing in terms of dream accessing. And the other thing that I, that I train um, is this thing called lucid dreaming. I don't know if you had personal experience with this, Daniel. Or yeah, I listen, actually, and I, I just heard your, um, your podcast on this, listened to it on the way to my parents' house on Mother's Day. And man, I mean, there's so for anyone who doesn't know what lucid dreaming is, basically there's, if you've seen Inception, you know what it is. It's, <laughs> being, it's being aware that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. And you've probably had this by accident before where you realize that you're dreaming. Sometimes it's in, a, in the middle of a nightmare and you're happy that you're remembering that you're dreaming so you can get out of there. Uh, and then other times it's like, you know, you just find yourself in a very pleasant dream that you can kind of loosely control and it's fun. But Jim actually has, te teaches how to willfully induce this state uh, through training your brain both like in the, in the preparation for sleeping and then as soon as you wake up, how to, how to kind of reinforce this um this habit really because lucid dreaming is kind of it's like a skill and a habit right it, it, it is some people just like are naturally just kind of gifted yeah. with it they do it naturally but it definitely my my whole thing message to people is this is genius leaves clues is that if somebody does something that looks magical like you know even the example i used about me on stage memorizing 100 people's names it's there's it looks like magic but there's always a method behind the magic that if you're willing to look at, so here's the thing, when it comes to people talk about like, oh, I want to have more creativity, or I want to have more focus, or I want to have a better memory, creativity, focus, memory, they're not things, they're not nouns, they're verbs. And so what I mean by that is like, you don't have creativity, you do creativity. Yes. You know, you don't have uh, clarity, you do clarity. 
Yes. You don't have focus. You do focus. You don't have memories. You do a memory. Literally, neurochemically, you're actually cr- doing a memory. Every time you have a memory, you, you actually create a memory like that or reinforce or recall something. You're making new connections or reinforcing connections you know, in your nervous system. And so when you make it a verb, the reason why I like it to be a verb, it means something you could do. It's not just like, oh, I hope this, I have this and just shows up. It's like I could do something well, to have focus. I will say this though, like so, so my, so I've had a few different experiences with the uh, with different like altered states, and and then my experiences have changed in terms of what I felt my resources were. So, for instance, um, on psychedelics, I've tried a bunch of different things. So, I don't know if you ended up doing ayahuasca when you were in the Amazon, but I did it a few times uh, in the Amazon. That I did also a few times here in the states, and different types of these these um, psychedelics. And man, I mean the incredible amount of uh, neural activity that you feel is something that almost doesn't feel achievable through um, like, a, like a regular waking state. And it's the same thing with something like, um, like man, I've tried uh, Adderall, Modafinil, these like super neuro enhancers that are probably also bad for you. But I, I do feel like I have more resources in that state. And I'm hoping that you're going to tell me there's a way that I can get there without those. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, great resources, again, are those two authors, um, you know, Rise of Superman and the latest book, which just came out called Stealing Fire, is some, some of the some of the deepest information in this in these areas. And the fire is very good. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's why I think reading is so important. And, and I do believe meditative states, like I had somebody come back to me, they went to, um, they went to India, and they meditated for like six months straight never saw a TV or a book or anything. They just like they went to the, the, the mountains and sat in the cave and did that. But when they came back, they were in this constant altered state where they could actually look at a page in a book and absorb the entire page in one view wow. in terms of like, literally see it. And it, it, they maintained it for an X amount of weeks and then it just eventually dissipated. But it, they were in such a state. I mean, just imagine like I have a, I have a float tank in my home and it's just one of my practices and for people are you familiar Daniel, with like float tanks yeah i'm going it's, on i'm doing one next week yeah. i do one a couple times a year oh that's amazing so yeah. so yeah that i mean and that has been highly tied early on decades ago back in the 70s with altered states right but uh, essentially a, a float tank and most people could find a facility or a spot in you know most major cities to be able to like go to float spa kind of thing. I'm an advisor for a company called True Rest, and we we have them franchise in different places across the U.S. But um, basically, it's a sensory deprivation tank that you're lying in, and you put about uh, nine inches of water in there, and then you put about 900 pounds of Epsom salt. And so when you go in the sensory deprivation tank, you can't see anything, you can't hear anything. And you can't feel anything, meaning the temperature of the water is body temperature. So it's kind of like you're floating in eternity. Like, isn't that how, I don't know how to best describe it, Daniel. It's like your mind is out there and it has no boundaries. You're just a floating consciousness, uh, which is very, very creepy the first time. And I don't know about you, but my first time, no one told me this. I guess you're not supposed to go for the whole session your first time. I went for a full two hours and I, I was fine, oh, wow. but some people don't like that. Right. Yeah. Some people could really freak out just because it's a new experience. And so some people just like with, you know, one of my weekly habits is I go three times to I do cold therapy, like cryotherapy or ice baths and stuff like that. And you never, you know, you just, you have to, just like with most things that are new, you have to kind of ease your way into it and start out slow and something different. But the reason why I like floating as a, as a meditation is when you're in there, you're just like one with the universe. And when you're talking about perspective and no limits and resourcefulness, it feels like you're tapping into more of 
your essence of who you are. Because I think a lot of that gets diluted and distracted living in today's modern society full of digital overwhelm and digital dementia and distraction. I also want to encourage anyone who's listening. And yeah, and I'm like, I'm, I'm vibing with you right now because I do a lot of the same things you do. I do. I mean, I do cold showers, cold therapy, cryo, the floating in the tanks. I'm trying different psychedelics. I feel like part of it's because I moved out here to California and it's just easier to get access to these weirdo things. Uh, <laughs> but I also feel like it's because one thing I've learned that I think has made uh, my journey a little bit more um, like I think special has been that I've been able to embrace dealing with um, uncomfortable or painful things. And I don't want to, this isn't about me specifically. It's about anyone who wants to get to another level in your life. You, yeah. you said this earlier. You said, if you flip that old adage on its head and you say the more responsibility you take, the more power you have, it's the same thing with learning to deal with difficult, difficult, yeah. challenging situations in your life. There is, there is a practical benefit to doing things like cryo and, and float tanks. And there's also this psychological benefit of I challenge myself. Yeah. I don't shy away from cold water. I'm, I am, I'm the human here. This is the water. This is an element. I control my own reaction to this. Same thing with a float tank. You know, when you're in there for even 30 minutes, it starts to, and you start to freak out, you mm -hmm. can control that. And so through that, we also gain some sort of like residual mental strength, don't we, by undergoing tough situations? Completely. I mean, that, that's why I vibe with you so well and people in your community, because you, I think, to, all right. So if people want to grow and be richer, right, and whatever rich is defined by, by them, that they have to be able to grow themselves, right? And that really requires us to stretch. You know, you stretch, you stabilize, you stretch, you stabilize, because um, it's hard to stretch all the time, right? Yeah. So you need to, you know, you work hard, you play hard, you love hard, but you got to rest hard also. And what I love is that you you live at the, the edge of your limits. Yeah. You know what I mean? And because that's the way you stretch your comfort zone. And I do believe like for me, when I talk about mindset, I think of four G's, like four solid G's for anyone to be like a, like a living superhero. I think you need the growth mindset, right? Which you've talked about before, right? You're talking about mindset, Carol Dweck's work, you know, fixed versus growth mindset. You always have to grow. But the second G for me is grit. And I love the way you articulated it because, man, to be an entrepreneur or like a lot of people think it's like something that's easy. It's not. It's not nah. easy. Right. Nah. And it's not it's like people don't see the hustle that goes. They, they, they see like some of them. I like I like with your social media because some people just put all the good stuff. But you, know, you show like it's real. Right. Yeah. There's like oh, yeah. work. Like, there's a lot of work. You're writing a book and promoting a book and getting a podcast out to all these people. Um, and so but the grit, you could grow grit, meaning that when you're in cryotherapy, like so, you know, you're in that ice bath, and I had the opportunity to interview Wim Hof five years ago. Love Wim. That's before he yeah. blew up. <laughs> yeah. We were speaking at an event at Harvard in Boston together, yeah. and we shared the stage, and I was just like, yeah, how do you breathe like this, and how do you withstand the cold? But he's like the Iceman, right? Yeah, he's But so being cool. in cryotherapy, like, you go into this, um, there's a chamber here in Los Angeles, and you have these little places. It goes down to, neck, and you, the whole idea with cold therapy is, for people who don't know, is like, if you, if you hit your knee, you put ice on it to reduce the swelling and the inflammation, right? It's healing has healing properties, you know, and we know like people like Michael Phelps and stuff like you take ice baths, right? But cryotherapy is where you step into a nitrogen chamber and it goes to negative 200 
40 degrees about, and you're in there from anywhere from 90 mm-hmm. seconds to three minutes mm-hmm. tops. Mm-hmm. And you, you, when you're in there, it's like a nervous system reset. You're getting rid of all the inflammation in your body and has all these benefits to pain and fatigue, everything. Anyway, like when I'm in there sometimes, you know, I want to leave. I, I just like, I mean, you want to be safe about this, obviously, in all contexts is whatever your thing is. But I do it partly for the health benefits, but I do it also partly exactly, Daniel, what you're talking about, just to push myself to be uncomfortable and to be able to still maintain my mindset as long as I'm safe so I could grow because grit, just like growth, is a muscle. And a lot of people don't push themselves, put themselves in uncomfortable positions, and then they're weak. And when they need to perform, they can't because they don't have the muscle. I, I got to work um, with uh, with Will Smith, right? I help a lot of actors speed read scripts, memorize their lines. And a few years ago, we were on set in Toronto and they were filming from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. at night. At wow. night, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So the sun came up. And I was like, you know, well, how do you do this exactly? Like, how do you get, you know, you have to hurry up to get, be there, and then you have to wait. And then at 3 o'clock, you know, they'd be ready to go on set. It's always unpredictable. How do you get ready? And he was like, he said this exactly. He's like, Jim, I don't have to get ready. I stay ready. Oh, yeah. He sounds like he was, I know he would say that. Dude, that's him. Like, like, and that's what I'm talking about because he's done the work, right? He's done the practice. And so he's ready to go because he has the muscles. And that's what I'm thinking about when you're talking about persistence and grit and, and having that perseverance that a lot of people are weak. And the challenge is, is like Bruce Lee has this saying where he, um, so he's one of my real, real life, I obviously never met him, but like mental superheroes, like I think of for inspiration. And he has this thing where he says, don't put limits on any area of your life. Because you, if you limit just one area of your life, it's going to like pervade everywhere in every area of your life. Because we know how we do one thing is how we do everything. So and that's true. why it's so important to, to push yourself. So I would say growth, grit, and then I would say giving, giving mindset, you know, which you have in spades because, you know, we grow, so we have more to give others. And then finally, the fourth G is gratitude for it all. You know what I mean? I think to be really rich, you know, you know, it's like, think about all the things you have that money can't buy. The things that, you know, your, your eyesight, your, your family, you know, your, 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 your mind, all the things that you wouldn't trade for millions of dollars, right? And that's, that's for me just, is true riches. But, you know, having that sense of gratitude and building from that is, is something powerful. You know, what's, what's, uh, and what's very related to the idea of the four G's, and this is a great place to, cl- to crystallize it. I was listening to a podcast with Josh Waitzkin, who I'm sure you know, um, mm-hmm. Art of Learning, phenomenal guy, great book. And he says that he's now training his son to do cold showers. And when it gets really cold, rather than shivering, he has his son say, it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) And that trains the mind, right? Not only to like inject some sort of positive emotion into the feeling of the the painful coldness. So it kind of offsets that, but also it trains you to have gratitude for uh, uncomfortable growth situations, you know, which for a little kid, cold water is about the hardest it gets. Dude, I love, I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm totally doing powers. it. Yeah, it's, I'm totally, I'm to- when, I, when I heard that, I said, I haven't, I haven't really put aside too many things for what I'm absolutely must have to do with the kids. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a must. Yeah, so I am uh, absolutely delighted and honored that you, you came by and I want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to learn more about you and I want to just know if someone wants to get in your world and understand the first thing that they need to know about changing their mentality and improving their cognition, their performance, their focus, where can they learn about what you have to offer? Like, where can they go? Yeah. Thanks, Daniel. I mean, we, we published the most amazing online speed reading, memory enhancement programs um, out there. It's at quicklearning.com. The only thing you have to do is spell it right. It's K-W-I-K. It's my last name, K-W-I-K learning.com. It's perfect. 
perfect it, it really is my destiny was pretty much planned out i had to be a runner back in school and, and all that but, um, <laughs> and i had to teach speed reading and speed recall and speed focus and decision making but um we have that we have a program students in 150 countries the best way to connect with me though is like you know and this conversation is on social media which i know you i, I learned so much from what you're doing i honestly do because you're you're so you're so congruent you're so real you're so raw you're so relevant and so um if you anyone i would love people's big ahas from this and just tag me at Jim Quick personally, you know, KWIK on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook. I would love for people to ask any questions there and just post their big takeaway from this conversation. And then um, the podcast is the, is the big thing. We launched a podcast recently um, and it's just, as you said, 10, 15 minutes long. And they're basically one brain hack for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. Everything from reading one book a week to my top 10 favorite uh, brain foods to how to change your habits um get rid of negative self-talk and beliefs all of that we do in like 15 10 15 minutes and that's it or people can go to quickbrain.com kwkbrain.com and get access to our private facebook group for the podcast and get three training videos for me absolutely free on memory and speed reading and those are the different ways and i, I appreciate you and, and i want to do just a big shout out for you and, and the good work that you do because what you're teaching wasn't taught like with my work is not taught in school do you know what i mean yeah man you we're... learned you, you learned it the way that you learned it and I, I love people who have a message and they're just sharing it in, in really big powerful purposeful ways um you're killing me with the alliteration man you're too good <laughs> <laughs> because it's not just making a dollar it's about making a difference right? uh, and you I, no, your next career is a rapper man it's a rapper <laughs> and quick it, rapping and I, but, I, but i appreciate the cape that you wear and i also want to thank everyone who's even listening to this at the end because if you're still listening to us talk then it means it says something more about who you are than about who we are that you're you know one of the few who do something and you know, are actually taking action on what you're doing, as opposed to a lot of people who just complain about where they are. And you've taken responsibility, and you and you have that interest, and you know, like learning doesn't stop once you graduate school. It's an ever-growing process. And so I just honor you for where you are, and just know that what you put in is what you get out. And even if you're going through hard times right now, those struggles are exactly what you need to. You know, just like what Daniel was saying, the struggles give you grit; they give you strength. And, um, and you inspire people around you by doing that, even when they would say, even when they talk you out of it, because sometimes you know this, Daniel, like some of the people closest to us are the ones that try to talk us out of doing great things, totally. not because they don't love us, it's because they don't want us to get hurt, they don't want to get our hopes up, they don't want to lose us, you know, there's contrast and progress, right, when people are making progress, and I'm just saying, you know, love, love, love them, you know, and just and do your thing, do you, you know, and, and, uh, and let's do it together. Wise words from an Amazon shaman passed on by <laughs> passed on by my friend Jim Quick, and we're gonna put all those uh, links to go find Jim and visit him and talk to him in our show notes on the YouTube video as well. If you're watching this on YouTube, and um, it's jimquick.com, K-W-I-K, and then quicklearning.com for all his programs. I'd highly recommend that you pick those up as well. Um, much love, my man. It has been an honor and a pleasure. We're gonna put this all over the world. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Daniel. You just experienced the Rich 20-something podcast.
Ah, my friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to today's throwback as much as I enjoyed putting this out for you. I loved this episode. I love talking to Jim and I'm actually going to, I'm going to start bumping up my memory game as we speak. So I hope that you are as well and make sure that you are liking and subscribing to the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Give it a comment, give it a review. It really helps us. I really appreciate you. And I make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com so that you know everything we're working on, including the New Wave Dinner Experience, which is happening and Power Packs, which we just released. So with all that said and done, my friends, the water is warm. The tide is rising. Everyone jump on in. Let's surf this new wave. Daniel.